Welcome to another edition of Mr. Nice Guy. I'm Ben Slowey, and I'm joined this evening uh, by a wood artist. He's an optimist. Uh, he uh, works with Charlie Rocket uh, and is on the team uh, of, for the um, Dream Machine Foundation. And uh, I'm excited to talk to him all about his passions, artistry, why he does what he does. He's coming to me uh, from his uh, workshop his studio, uh, Ike Winter. Thank you for joining me today. Appreciate you, man. Thanks for having me on. Most welcome. How are you doing today? It's been an interesting few days, but uh, overall good. Um, just started a new project, diving into some new creative ideas. That's about it. Is it just like nonstop, like one thing to the next sort of deal? Yeah, I realized in the past month or two with my art that if I don't have the next idea flowing, like until I have that next idea flowing, I'm kind of just in a standstill. So it's kind of all about when I finish a big project, just finding what the next direction is and then starting it, whether it's right or wrong. Because um, I know once I start it, then I'll get get motivated, get creative. But it's all about just like pushing yourself to cut that first piece of wood and, and draw that first design on a piece of plywood. And then from there, it just kind of does itself. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely hear you. The hardest part is always been getting started for me but once you like you know like you said once you draw that first line then slowly it uh you know uh comes to fruition um also i like your shirt dude appreciate it this is like the number one uh i do tiktok lives every night i stream while, while i build art and uh this is by far the number one requested shirt every night which doesn't sound like it would be a big deal but literally like i'm just here cutting wood my shirt is pretty much my only thing that people get to like uh kind of first impression type thing um so it's this one and then i have a t-rex t-shirt that people really admire uh so those are the two that i try to integrate as much as i can into my live streams hell yeah horses and uh dinosaurs that's a good duality literally dude i mean i just take people back to their childhoods with my art and also just with the things i wear and try to and the music i play and stuff like that hell yeah man well that's awesome uh so uh, while we talk about a Mr. Nice Guy, we talk love and fear, passion and creativity. And so Ike, um, so yeah, we've uh, we've been in touch for a couple of years now. Um, from following you on Instagram, I've just been following your work with the wood and just seeing your incredibly just beautiful and intricate designs. Um, and also just your very like positive and motivating demeanor that comes with your, your work ethic. And I really appreciate that because, you know, Lord knows that uh, a lot of people are struggling to find that right now. First time we like met in person though, I almost didn't recognize you because I didn't realize how tall you were. Uh, <laughs> and that was at the shame wave show a couple months ago at Cactus Club. Yep. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. Sitting, uh, sitting behind a workbench all day and, and not really standing next to anything. People don't realize that I am, uh, I am six, six. No, I did not play basketball in high school. Um, that's a question I get every day. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I, the, as far as the whole um, positive outlook and optimistic and, and words of encouragement, if you will, my whole life motto is like, if you're going to do something, you might as well do it with passion and with um, uh, purpose. So it doesn't, hasn't really mattered what I've done in life, whether it was my band or the businesses that I ran with my family are now art. Um, and the dream machine, which I, which is what I do currently, um, you know, all I'm doing is just cutting wood and, and making art 
And if I'm going to do that and sit in a studio, I might as well, when I promote it, promote it with a message of things I believe in, of optimism and happiness and positivity, because a lot of, um, I mean, I'm, you know, 29 years old and a lot of people in their 20s and 30s struggle with this concept of um, success and, and uh, societal norms, if you will, and, and think that they think they're supposed to get to do to bring them happiness. And I'm, I'm trying as much as I can every day to change that conversation and to re-encourage and reinstate in people's lives that um, it's okay whatever path you're on and whatever you want to do in life. And I'd much rather somebody make $50,000 a year following their passion like I do um, than try to make $200,000 a year miserable and trying to make their parents happy. Right. So, yeah, yeah. Very akin to like, you know, our generation, the, the younger generations um, really taking like destiny into their own hands and like self-actualizing, you know, not going the out, not going the, uh, the conventional routes to, to success because a lot of us like, you know, we're told we had to go a certain path, you know, go to college, get a job. That job is going to serve you for the rest of your life. But, you know, we're, we're meant to do a lot of things in life. We're not meant to do just one thing and yep. we're meant to be creative. We're creative souls. And so that said, I, I'd like to start the conversation with just a bit of background on yourself. So, so you mentioned before you were in a band, uh, I believe your, was it uh, Narrow Hearts? Was that your band? It was Cain and Abel and then it, that turned into Narrow Hearts, yes. Okay, yeah, cool. So how did it all start for you? Like what came first? You know, you, you do the wood arts now, but like, you know, did you draw as a kid? Like, were you into, you know, art stuff when you were younger? Like, how did it all start? So, um, again, everyone has an interesting path, interesting story. I hope that something I say or, or something within my path um, just aligns with people's thoughts and, and helping them navigate this complex thing that we call life. Um, I was in a band for nine years, um, started when I was 14, uh, got out of it at 23. In that time frame, we played hundreds of shows um, locally, obviously, when we were just in high school. I mean, it was crazy playing the Milwaukee Rave, which is like the venue on a Tuesday night, sophomore year of high school, and then literally going to English class the next morning at 8 a.m. after playing a show. Um, so it was, it was pretty crazy, like having a, and our band got lo a lot of local um, success here, which was cool. Um, I wasn't as much on the creative side of writing the music. I never, I, I picked up and wrote like two songs in the nine years. Um, I'm more of a get on stage and put on a good show and entertain people um, and talk to people afterwards. I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an extrovert. I love engaging with people and inspiring people. Um, so my role within the band was tour managing um, and then really just the business end of things. I didn't tap into the creative side. And really I wasn't a creative kid or person at all growing up. Um, a weird thing about my family and the things I've done in life is that I've always found ways to make money by picking stuff up off the side of the road and turning it into something, which like sounds really weird. Um, I just learned at a young age how to scrap, which is the process of recycling metals. So if you ever see a pickup truck driving in the inner city with a, a wash machine and a dryer going to the scrapyard to make 10 bucks, I was that person the second I could drive. Yeah, nice. and, and before I was able to drive, I was doing that with a bicycle and a, a little wagon behind me. Um, and then you know, that, that eco-sustainable practice 
Um, and it's in my blood. My, my father uh, lives by that every day. My grandfather owned a scrapyard. Um, my brother and I um, owned a very successful business, picking up people's recycling it. Um, so that's always been in my blood. Um, the music career was incredible. Um, I'm glad I got to tour, see the country, uh, build a lot of social skills. Um, it really, I treated it as my college years, you know, in college, yes, you have the educational part of the, the, the books and the tests and all that, but really you have like the social aspect of living with one another in a dorm, um, yeah. your bills with no income and, and just like everything that college kind of all those adult life skills. I kind of learned that from sleeping in Walmart parking lots and playing shows to 20 people every night. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's very interesting when you kind of look at it that way. Um, 23, I got out of music because um, my brother was finally home from his deployments with the military and him and I were, were nine years apart. And our goal was always to start a business together, cleaning out people's houses. Mm. For whatever reason, I'm just like a kid in a candy store. I love antiquing. I love scrapping. I love uh, donating things to, to humanity and goodwill. I just love the process of cleaning out a home, emptying it, having that visual process of it. But then also, too, what do you do with all the stuff on the back end that isn't just throwing it away? Because um, traditionally, the junk removal industry, which is the, the industry that we are in, um, is just not an eco-sustainable industry the the easiest quickest way to make money and these large franchises that do it is literally pick it up take it to the dump dump it and get on to the next job you would think that by reselling or donating the stuff they would save money by not having the dump fees but it's, it's all about the labor costs so um not to get too much into it but my brother and i started a company in 2016 uh just him and i a truck and a trailer and again picking stuff up and getting paid to pick it up and then finding ways to make money on the back end and through that 2016 is really when I saw all this wood being discarded in our process. Um, and I, ended up, I mean, I enjoyed cutting wood, like with my dad, I used to build, you know, kitchens and bathrooms and I, I framed yeah. growing up with my dad. So I, I had the general understanding of cutting wood, never in an art fashion though, never did art in high school, none of that. Um, so while my brother and I were opening up our business, I just started taking some of the wood off of jobs and just literally just playing with it and just cutting it and making coffee tables and making mountain pieces and just random stuff. Cause I truly just wanted to explore it and enjoy it, not to make money. Um, it kind of was a hit right when I started posting stuff and I was selling coffee tables for a hundred bucks a pop, um, making pieces here and there. But again, I was running a business with my brother, which was, you know, 80 to hundred hours a week, every week. Um, and we, we grew that business from him and I in the backyard to at one point we had 94 employees across nine states. Um, so a very large scale operation within 18 months of starting it, him and I bought a 30,000 square foot warehouse. Um, we got this site up to about 40 employees running seven, eight trucks a day going to pick up junk. I mean, the logistics of what we did was crazy back in like 2017, 2018. Um, managing you know 100 employees having 30 trucks i mean and it started two years prior with just him and i um so that that whole process of and part of my life was crazy um and i loved it it was cool but uh around the time COVID hit in 2020 we actually got out of the business which was a franchise um so we had a two-year non-compete in the junk removal industry mm -hmm. uh, so for two years him and i could not 
go to somebody's house and pick up junk and get paid for it. Um, in the franchise world, that's that's kind of what you do. You sign a non-compete so that when you get out of your business, you can't run a business similar to it for two years. Uh, that's pretty much across the board for everything. So that was really when I was like, all right, well, I just got out of a relationship. COVID's here and my business of five years just closed. What do I do? And it was at that juncture that I really stepped foot back in the garage and just started cutting wood. Um, again, just to explore the opportunities. I never once envisioned doing this full time. Um, I mean, I wanted to, but I wasn't like, I'm going to do this until I can do it full time. It was literally just like, let's just cut wood and see where it goes. Um, and then about a year into COVID, about uh, actually about six months into it, to be honest, um, around that October time frame, I was like, I am like enjoying this a lot. I'm very happy. I'm a lot less stressed. Um, and I was, it was just a viable way to make a living um, at that point. And it, there was only, you know, as, as an artist, the more and more you grow and explore your art, the more in demand it comes usually. Usually you don't practice something and get worse at it. Um, so I, I knew that there was only upside from there. Um, and I was just kind of uh, uh, ready just for a change. You know, four or five years of, of working 100 hour weeks. Um, that's something anyone's gonna get burnt out. Yeah. So um, I decided to kind of dive into art and see where it went. And I've been on my own ever since. Right on. Uh, yeah, and a lot of learned lessons through the years. And um, about a year ago, yeah, right when I was kind of diving into my art heavily and I moved is when I got the offer to work for Charlie and the Dream Team, which a little synopsis of that is um, a guy named Charlie Rocket. He's a TikTok philanthropist, if you will, a modern day philanthropist. And we drive around the country making people's dreams come true. And through my tour managing experience of being in a band, he needed a tour manager for the tour that we run with like 10 people on it. And that's everywhere from finance people to uh, dream producers to the videographers, the editors, Charlie, a whole team, crew of people. And um, they were looking for somebody to help tour manage and help produce the events. So uh, it, was, it was a dream job. Um, I do contract work. So whenever Charlie needs me for it. So it's, it's one of those things I step away from my art now, whenever he needs yeah. me. And uh, it's cool to be able to have that dichotomy in life of, of sitting alone in this studio, cutting wood for a few months, totally isolated, and then traveling the country for months on end. And obviously doing, I mean, what we do is incredible. Like we, we do change people's lives every day. And it, it's so impactful. It's crazy. Oh, yeah, dude. Well, Thank you for sharing all that, man. I, um, yeah, no, it, it sounds like, you know, you have uh, really like transcended uh, your own dreams as far as like, you know, doing the band thing, doing the, the junk removal, like having a company, doing your, your art and, uh, and now working with Charlie, which we'll, we'll talk about Charlie a bit more in a, in a sec, but um as far as your art goes, as far as the wood goes, so for one, um, I guess like what is your process as you start pieces? Um, like how do you kind of like conceptualize like what you think you're going to make for the day? Uh, traditionally, I mean, I do have like repeat pieces that I do just to kind of keep a steady income. And, and um, you know, when you make something, 
it's kind of like you're going to see your favorite band and them having to play the most popular song last. You know, you got to put out as an artist. Yes, I want to evolve, but at the end of the day, there are certain pieces I just remake um, to pay some of my bills. If to be completely transparent, um, but then yeah, as as when it comes to the super creative stuff and new pieces and new designs, it's really just whatever phase of life I'm going through. Um, whether it's a, a lesson I'm learning and uh, kind of the, the visual behind that lesson. Um, if I think of a phrase that's super catchy and I want to try to, you know, voice that message through a piece of art and then how to cut it out of wood. Um, but really it's simple. I mean, it's literally, I don't use any like drafting or, or stenciling or computer programming. Um, it's a quick sketch in a notebook, like a little doodle, just to on paper see what i'm thinking if it's gonna look proportionally right um and if it gets a message across and then really from there i just start cutting wood and uh i rarely ever take pieces apart after i start constructing them um i'm more of just a just do it right the first time yeah. when it comes apart. um so yeah i mean it's pretty simple i i have a pencil and a sheet of plywood and a couple saws i don't I, you know, sometimes I get very geometrical and, and measure everything out and make sure it's perfect. But for the most part, it's literally just rough drawing and then using the, the saws I have. Um, very simple process. Uh, there's no stain or no paint. So I kind of get to skip that whole part of it. Uh, again, just being as eco-sustainable as possible. Yeah. My, my goal is to pick up stuff off the side of the road every day, bring it to my shop and turn it into something new that I can sell. And, yeah. um, and, and convey that message to somebody buying it that hey and, and honestly it's a cool like life lesson i really it really hits me every single time i sell a piece and i try to convey that to people constantly is like hey this palette this fence this dresser this thing i picked up off the side of the road was deemed unvalued unvaluable invaluable sorry by somebody right but that in that it doesn't have value you know, I, someone who can take that thing that was discarded in society and turn it into something beautiful. I really love that message because I think it relates a lot to people because there are so many discarded people in society that people tell them that they're not worth anything. And that's a lot of, you know, the veteran community, prisoners, um, just, you know, felons, everything, everything that society yeah. deems uh, invaluable in a person. Yeah. Um, those people get discarded sometimes and with the right love and care and environment, um, those people can really flourish. So yeah. it's weird that I get to cut wood and message, but I always do try to convey those types of thoughts and messages and feelings behind what I do. Yeah. Dude, right on. Uh, yeah. Like I love the way you, 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 you said that, like how you're repurposing something that, someone had no use for someone placed no value in anymore and uh, you know gave it new life you know gave it new longevity um you know you're talking about junk uh earlier and like dude i love junk i think junkyards are a blast they are some of the coolest places anyone can explore i my, one of my family friends was a had, had a junkyard growing up and like you know, he'd do a pig roast every year and we would go running around the junkyard. Like, I don't know if you've heard of the Heidelberg project in Detroit, but it's so cool. It's like that, it's like a, 
it's been this guy who's been like you know building junk sculptures in a in an uh impoverished neighborhood in detroit for for decades yeah and um and he's like making a statement like it's like a form of um resistance against you know like the the, the city uh the government that's you know just failed to uh, yeah. sustain this part of the city properly and um that's a very powerful message to be convey conveyed through through junk through simple objects that can be combined into something or or you know used to say something um about the environment that it comes from junk is art man i i, I think that junk is like like junk sculptures and stuff like that are what's been left behind or what's been ostensibly forgotten by society but what can you do to reclaim those objects and put exactly. them back into society and it seems like that's exactly you know what you you do with with the wood here it's it is very interesting you know anyone can make a dish out of the recipe when you have all the ingredients separated in front of you yeah. you know but to have something in society that was something already and then discarded it was already built as something discarded um throw a little wear and tear on it you know like those junk sculpture people like i i really admire that my dad is kind of that way um builds random metal art out of random metal pieces that he collects um, my mom and him have that kind of vision um so yeah i mean it's 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 a super cool opportunity i i grew up in scrapyards uh taking stuff there learning about the industry i mean everything there is to know i i grew up in them around them making money from them um and then i just kind of adapted those principles of metal art into wood art um just because i truly enjoy cutting wood and i know all the principles behind it um but i'm just you know i just love the the, the everything about it the smell the noises like just everything about it um yeah. i really enjoy just being able to cut wood and <laughs> listen all day and make money off of it it's it's rad yeah that, that is totally rad um tell me about the the puzzle pieces behind you yeah so there's three of them here and then there's this giant light bulb thing i'm sitting in front of um this light bulb is actually four puzzle pieces combined um i've really been drawn to the idea of putting most of my pieces within puzzle pieces um again when you ask like how i come up with the concept or the the design of what i do everything is usually like a saying or a phrase or something i'm going through in life a chapter in my life um so i think of each puzzle piece as you know whether it's a day that you learn that lesson or a three month or three year process of learning that that chapter um so in the whole big grand scheme of things like your life is a puzzle um and eventually all the pieces do fall into place and there's some pieces that are very jagged and rough fits and and, and harmful and and just suck and then there's other pieces that are beautiful um and but every piece is required to to build your life you know you have to go through the bad to, to get to the good um, so with the puzzle theme that's kind of what i uh, derived that off of and then you know the, the themes inside um this one is um it's called everything will fall into place and it's actually puzzle pieces within a giant puzzle piece and they're all kind of falling down from the sky fitting into one another um again just reminding and re-encouraging people that whatever thing of life you're going through it will all fall into place one way or another um 
this one is actually kind of what we've been talking about. It's called Redefine Worth. And it was all about picking up stuff off, off of a dumpster. Um, there are these rulers that are in dice um, or like shaped like dice in there. Um, then there's this one up top. Totally forgot what I named this one, but it's cool. <laughs> yeah, uh, right, yeah. That was the second one that I built actually. Um, and then, yeah, this light bulb one is, is the dichotomy of a left brain, right brain. So on the one side, there's daisies coming up. Um, and then there's gears on this side, but then they meet in the middle and all the gears are turning and they kind of intertwine with the daisies on the other side to kind of show that no matter how creative left brain or right brain you are, um, or if you're very math minded, um, everything still has to flow properly. You know, if you're a total gearhead and very black and white and very logical, you still have to have a creative aspect, what you do um, in order for everything to flow properly. Um, so yeah, I mean, just messages behind those. Um, and then down here, these are actually 3D ends kind of mimicking the, the N64 logo. Um, I'm a big nostalgia nut. So music, logos, art, everything from 90s, 2000s. I think nostalgia is one of the coolest uh, things we can feel as humans. Yeah. Um, and I love like making stuff that makes people feel something. Like if they're scrolling on Instagram, you know, 99% of what you see is the same thing every day. And if you're scrolling past and you see me make something out of a logo of, of something of your childhood, it makes you stop and like feel a feeling or s yes. smell a smell. Um, I just love that thought of making oh, somebody yeah. um, think back to their childhood. Yeah, I did. Oh yeah. I'm with you there. I'm a nostalgia nut as well. Um, it's crazy how smell is such a strong for is, is such a strong source of nostalgia. Um, it is. What are you working on now, uh, Woodwise? Like, uh, what are some ideas you got brewing? So, like, like I said earlier, like if I don't start a project right away, I kind of go. I mean, the, the possibilities are endless, which is not a good problem for me to have. I kind of need like, okay, this is what I'm building you know, straightforward. Yeah. Um, so I built these N64 logos. I built one of them and then I was like, you know what? I'm gonna do four of them. I'm just gonna, I just wanted to have the look of four of them. And I just dedicated a week or two to doing that. Um, and not that I, I mean, I love video games and the nostalgia behind it. I'm not gonna make video game art exclusively, but tonight I'm actually diving into the PS1 logo, nice. um, which is ver a very unique logo uh, to make um like this this and as simple as it looks like the geometry behind it is actually pretty crazy um because this is all flat um but to make make it look 3d um it hurts my head let alone having other people see it is super cool um so i'm doing the ps1 logo tonight and my goal is to kind of set the ps1 logo and n64 logo side by side um again with what i do you know I can never make another video game piece after today, or I can make something later. You know, I'm not like, oh, I want to do, you know, the N Nintendo controller next and this and that. Like, I just, I'm in a season right now of doing geometric pieces, seeing how colors blend. I love doing 3D out of wood because it's so just interesting that you can cut a piece of at a certain angle and put it up in, against another piece and like it gives the illusion of 3D. Um, so, no matter what I do, I, I, really strive to do 3d pieces moving forward um so yeah doing the ps1 logo right now 
Um, and I do actually have my first ever art show gallery um, on August 6th. Um, so I'm trying to build pieces, not necessarily to sell this PS1 logo, but just to like, again, if there's gonna be a thousand people coming by my art in a booth, I want them to feel something and engage in a conversation about nostalgia or something that they feel. Um, so I wanna have this PS1 logo done, the N64 logo done in hopes that like, you know, 30 people my age walk through and we can have a, a cool yeah. conversation about video games. And I don't care about them buying my art. I just love, again, being extroverted, connecting with people yeah. and uh, hopefully just sparking something in people's heads. And not to be an artist or cut wood, but just something. Go home and plug in your N64 and have a game yeah. with your buddies, like something, as a, something to make you happy. That's all I care about, um, the message behind my art. If somebody can take something away from seeing it um, yeah. and create something happy for themselves, that's all I give a shit about. Oh, yeah. Dude, yeah, because a lot of us, those are the first video game systems we had. That will be very exciting. Um, really awesome to hear, Matt. No, that's, that's fantastic. So, um, yeah, looking forward to seeing uh, the PS1 logo. That'll be, that'll be fucking awesome. In, um, you know, I started it about five four hours ago sure. um and i'm sure i'll have it finished tomorrow night because it's one of those things like once i start something dude i can't sleep like yeah. i know tomorrow tonight and tomorrow morning i'm gonna sleep as little as i can try to get back here and finish this thing because i'm just gonna be so excited which is a very cool thing to say about um my my work and my career um having something i'm super excited about um so yeah i'm, I'm sure this will be done tomorrow night because i honestly just want to see it like yeah. selfishly, I just want to see what a PS1 lo logo looks like out of wood on a flat surface. That's all I care about. The sound effect, dude. With the PS1 the, logo. That's the, the, talk on nostalgia, man. That, that I think that's the number one sound. I'm not even a big PlayStation guy. I just my brother w grew up religiously on PlayStation. I was a Nintendo dude. Um, but the sound of PS1, the boot up. Yeah. I think if I had to choose the most nostalgic sound in my life, it's probably that guaranteed. Yeah. So yeah. to now logo that was associated with that sound, um, just super cool. You know, I, I'm just excited about it. And if somebody, you know, the person who purchases this and looks at it every day and gets that same level of excitement, uh, that's just a cool, super cool thing to share uh, through my art. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Right on, dude. Hell yeah. Um, yeah, I'd love to talk more about uh, Charlie and uh, the Dream Machine uh, Foundation. So when we first talked, I remember you, you, you gave kind of a pretty cool story about how you like met Charlie. Um, so if you care to share about, um, yeah, just how, you know, you got in touch with him and how this all happened. It was a uh, it was very surreal. I mean, there's there's certain people I mean, some so I met Charlie through Instagram. I followed him religiously. Mm -hmm. Everything he did, I was so inspired by. The fact that he was driving around the country, giving money away and making people's dreams come true and surprising people, which is one of my favorite things in the world. Yeah. Uh, I just, I was like, dude, if I can do a, a smidget of what he does in his life or help him some way, that would be so cool. Um, so I was a huge fan of him for three or four years. Literally like bucket list, one of three people I wanted to meet in life um i just looked up to him but he was like reachable you know he wasn't michael jordan like but but he was you know semi-famous and a celebrity if you will sure yeah. uh, so i followed his story religiously actually through gary v 
Gary Vee said on a podcast, he was asked the question, who is somebody that's not big yet, but is going to change the world? And he's like, there's this dude named Charlie Rocket. He's a delusional optimist and he's going to change this world. And, you know, I follow Gary Vee semi-religiously. I just like what he puts out. Um, and so I started following Charlie on, on G Gary's word and followed him. And then he posted that he was in Chicago, you know, tagged it on Instagram stories. And I saw the story and I was on the phone with somebody, a friend of mine, and it was 1040 at night on a weeknight. Um, I had to work the next day. And I literally said, Charlie's in Chicago. I think he's going to come to Milwaukee tomorrow. I just had the feeling, you know, yeah. um, one of those yeah. things. So I, I got off the phone. I said, I have to leave. I, I got to go make Charlie a piece because I'm going to meet him tomorrow. And the, and the person I was on the phone with is like, how are you going to meet him? You don't even know if he's coming to Milwaukee. I'm like, you never know, you know? So I got off the phone, stayed up two more hours, built a piece of wood that said dream because that's, you know, what he does for a living, makes people's dreams come true. Sure enough, the next day at like 2 p.m., 3 p.m. in the afternoon, he posts a video selfie of him on a lake on a friend's boat. No tag. No people tagged, no location, nothing. I recognized the lake that he was on. Yes. Um, in south, southeastern Wisconsin, there's like 10,000 lakes down here. And it was just a very iconic lake in the background and exactly where he was. Um, and I was kind of freaking out. So I went home, got done with work at 9 p.m. and drove out to that lake at 9.30. And I found the bus, which is a giant bus that says Dream Machine, very colorful. You can't miss it. Um, found it at a hotel. Charlie was outside talking on the phone and um, literally got out of the truck. And I was carrying a piece of art. And I said, Charlie, I've been dying to meet you. I made you this piece of art. My name's Ike. I used to tour manage my band. If I can help you in any way, let me know. And we, we talked for an hour. He thought it was the coolest thing. Um, <laughs> He was tweaking out. He, he put it up on his Instagram story because he's like, how did you find me? Um, we, we filmed it right from the get go. And our first interaction was on his Instagram story of how I found him that day. Incredible. Um, I was like, dude, I'm not trying to tweak out, but I am a huge fan. But like real down to earth, like I love what you do and I want to be a part of it. And he's like, all right, cool. Um, we stayed in touch. And then um, he actually hired two good friends of mine to be his uh head of operations and his videographer the same day that they met him to to get the job i met them as well and i hung out with them um so they went on the road with charlie we kept in touch and then finally they had uh an event where they needed a event coordinator you know somebody to make sure that the whole night goes as planned and they called me up and they said hey you said you wanted to work for us will you fly out to la tomorrow they called me at one in the morning and we have an event later today will you fly out and help us with this event and i said sure i'm i'm in so i flew out that day literally bought my own flight and um didn't didn't get paid at all for the gig but it was my in you know yeah yeah and helped, helped out with the event it was one of the biggest event that events that charlie has done to date um got ridiculous views national attention oprah steve harvey two chains everybody knew about this person that we we're helping um and then from there he offered me to tour manage uh a few months later so okay. again they kind of called me up last minute they said hey we're hitting the road <laughs> we need somebody to drive the bus and tour manage this thing and we can't do this without you and for somebody who a few months ago was your idol and you <laughs> looked up to, um 
to them calling you and personally asking you to saying they need you to, to fulfill a tour, you, you literally can't say no. And it's, I was in the height of my art career. I was selling pieces. The demand was crazy. You know, leaving all this was a huge uh, shot on my business, but it was a once in a lifetime opportunity. And, you know, it's one of those things like you're never going to look back and going to a concert or going to a festival or a camping and be like, Oh, like I should have stayed home and not spent the money. Like right. you, you barely ever, if ever say that, um, right. yeah. Yeah. Always, life is about experiences and just living life. So, um, you know, I, I took the chance, went on the road. It was supposed to be a two month gig. I left August 23rd and I was supposed to be home by Halloween. I didn't get home until January 12th. I was gone, <laughs> gone for five months living on a bus with 10 other people. Um, so that was kind of the, the origin story of how we met as far as like what we did day to day. I mean, we were on the road for five months and pretty much we made like a major dream come true every three weeks for somebody. What was um, the first one? The first one of that was this kid, Matthew. We helped him launch a clothing line um, in Los Angeles. Um, cool. He has cerebral palsy. He DM Charlie and said, Hey, Charlie, I have cerebral palsy. I'm super inspired by your story and I want to learn how to walk. And Char I was sitting on the couch with Charlie and he's like, I just got this DM and this dude, I mean, he gets 500 DMs every day. Um, but he's like, you know, this is very interesting. Let's go to Matthew's house right now. So he DM'd him back, said, send me your address. I'll be there in two hours. Very out of the ordinary for what we do. Um, we went to his house, heard his story. He wanted to learn how to walk. Um, and he has cerebral palsy. So we said, all right, if you were to make a lot of money to buy a new house, to be in a safe neighborhood, to learn how to walk and to have the conditioning training that you need to walk, how would you make money? He said, I love clothing. You know, Nipsey Hussle was my favorite person on this planet. He got to meet him a few times mm. and he admired Nipsey's clothing line and all that. Um, I don't know too much of like Nipsey or the clothing line, but that's what he told us. Yeah. And so what we did is we said, all right, draw us a couple t-shirt designs and um you know what would you what would you put on a t-shirt so he drew us like 10 designs and what we do what we did is we took all those designs found a manufacturer found uh you know everyone to to securing the clothing items printing them shipping them labels uh the website everything we did we built a whole website overnight or a whole business overnight and um invited matthew over and said hey we, we did something behind the scenes and come over and look at your website. And he, and he got to see his website for the first time. And we're like, at four o'clock today, you're going to hit go. And this website is going to go live and people can buy your clothing. And we want to, all the proceeds from the t-shirts are going to go to you. So that night, and we never know if we're going to raise $500 or $5 million, you know, um, you never know how viral it's going to go or what's going to happen. That night we sold $250,000 worth of t-shirts in four hours. Holy shit. Wow. In in Charlie's, in Charlie's living room, you know? Um, and the first hour, I think we sold a hundred thousand. I mean, it was just bonkers. And this was the first tour. Like we hadn't even left LA yet. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, we did that happen. And then we did photo shoots he was on Mike Tyson's podcast. Um, a lot of celebrities just started wearing his stuff, buying his stuff. Um, again, just a viral hit for about three weeks. And then we go on to the next one. 
Um, but now Matthew has a sustainable clothing business where he does his own drops. He literally draws his own designs, sends it to the manufacturer. They upload it. He hits go. And now he gets to sell t-shirts, you know, once every few months. Um, he did a collab with Mike Tyson like two months ago. Oh, wow. uh, and they released a t-shirt together. And that was, we're like hands off with it. Like, obviously we support him and post about it, but we don't, you know, thereafter he right. just runs business now. Um, and it, as far as his, his dream of, of learning how to walk, he's, he's becoming more conditioned to, and his muscles are stronger. I mean, there's been, it's been crazy watching some videos of him, like taking his first steps and, and walking on his own. Um, and, and just to know that I was a part of that at all is incredible. Um, so we did that for five months and the end of it, we finished in Kentucky, actually, we were supposed to be in Miami doing a dream, but the Kentucky tornadoes happened. Right. Yeah. And we're not an organization that traditionally does disaster relief, but we said, you know, let's try it. And these tornadoes look really bad. And it was in a very poor community of the, of America. It was Mayfield, um, right? What? May, oh, Mayfield. 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 Yeah. Mayfield, Kentucky. Um, there's like three or four towns that were the major ones. Mayfield is the one that got the most national yeah. news. Um, so we, we drove there in that one, just a quick synopsis. We raised $1.6 million in about 14 days um, through our fundraising efforts. We, we were there, Charlie calls it that we were on the front lines and we, you know, we were, we stayed in a motel, 10 of us, um, Christmas day, Christmas Eve, New Year's yeah. day, New Year's Eve. We were out in Mayfield, Kentucky, boots on ground, walking around, meeting people, hearing their stories, handing them money, buying them food, buying them hotels. You know, we were there for we were there for a month, um, and just for the the level of uh, gratitude and humbleness that my team has around being very selfless um, and helping people in that time of need but also the community. I mean, the community was just inspired by us driving our bus through town and then speaking words of optimism and positivity in such a terrible um, state that we were standing in. Um, it was just so cool to bring hope back to people that had lost it. Um, these people had no insurance, very poor. You know, the average income was like 30 grand a year. So for us to be able to hand out 30 grand to each family is like insane to them. Um, they're in the middle of Kentucky. They don't know who Charlie is. Like they don't, they've heard of the app TikTok, but they don't really know why, right. how Charlie's able to raise this money and stuff. Um, and those tornadoes happened like what, like 10 days before Christmas. Like this is a time for the holidays. This is a time for the families. And like, like I, I remember when that happened, like that was so fucking tragic. Like that a time that's normally like where people aren't even thinking about tornadoes, like in, in December, Wonderful I mean, that you have to be there. The very interesting thing about, I mean, I had never been to a disaster relief site. I never have done that in my life. I know a lot of churches and obviously American Red Cross and all these national organizations show up. Um, right. The interesting thing we saw and learned about was as we were showing up, we're just like, all right, what do these people need? And there was pallets of water scattered all over town. There was people cooking food all day. So, and people had the resources to stay alive. They had food and water and they had enough money to stay in a hotel for a few days or weeks, but these people didn't have savings accounts. Um, you know, at the end of the day, they said, Hey, I, 
you know, I've lost family members in this tornado and, and you can't replace that. And there's like, I have enough water for the next year, like few years. I have enough food. I'm fine, but I have nothing to rebuild. I have yeah. no, I have no means, you know, thankfully it was a small enough community where most people had cousins or aunts and uncles or family to stay with, but they're sleeping in their living rooms, you know? a whole family's uprooted and, and a family of four or five sleeping in their uncle's living room. Um, so they needed resources and money to rebuild. And unfortunately no organization does that unless you have insurance, you know? Um, so we just showed up and said, all right, well, we're really good at fundraising for people and helping rebuild dreams or create dreams. Um, so we just started fundraising and, by the end of it, we were literally New Year's Day. We went around and we handed out $180,000 in one day. Right on. uh, we we're giving each family anywhere from ten dollars to $30,000 based on their scenario and what we felt was right to help them out. Um, you know, some people just needed to repair their roof. And, it, you know, that's a big chunk of change. And other people, their entire house was leveled and gone. And they were sitting yeah. there crying. And they said, I have enough money to stay in a Motel 6 for about the next week. But then I don't know. Um, and so we were able to just go there and hand out money. And, and there's no other thing I would have rather been doing over Christmas and New Year's than with the, the nine other people I was with. Um, and now, you know, I, I, my role on the team also is I'm kind of the point of contact for um, not the financial end of, of helping people, but if people need to call our team and just get, tell us an update of their lives or whatever. I'm kind of the point of contact. So I, I share the news with the rest of the team. So I've kept in touch with the people that we helped with in Kentucky the past six months. Um, and I hear about the changes and the progress that they've made. And, and one family in particular, you know, they, they bought a house a month ago, right? On. Uh, they, they lost their entire house. We gave them 30, we gave them $25,000 and they just sent me photos the other day of them moving into their new house, which is like, oh, amazing the coolest thing. And that was just one of 30 families that we helped. Um, so, you know, we're, we're grateful for the platform that we've built through Instagram and TikTok and what we call the army of love. Um, that's Charlie's social media following. Um, we're grateful that they're there to show up every time we document a story, explain it and ask for help to fulfill a dream. So, I mean, life-changing stuff for both the people, but also the things I've learned and seen and, and felt through that experience. It, it makes it so much easier to live life and come home because for six months, you're on the road dealing with people that are homeless, that have crazy medical conditions, that have been through natural disasters. You know, yeah. you come and and everything I go through now is so simple. Like yeah. e my worst days are still pretty good, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, that really puts things into perspective. Like, yeah, not everyone has all the answers, right? But it's like, if you have a platform and you can use it to raise awareness, then that's a that's a very valuable thing to have. And that also speaks to the, the seamlessness of the internet these days. And like, just, you know, you're, you're uh, a great example. You know, like you, you, you managed to, to find and hunt down Charlie and you met him and you presented him this gift this, this piece of art and your life changed like that forever. And yep. that, that happened in a matter of a couple months, you know, yeah, there's, there's, there's good ways to do it. There's bad ways to do it. But like, you know, if you just, if you act and listen with intention, 
you never know who, who you might, you know, rub shoulders with or come into contact with or impact. And I see you doing that, like, you know, every week, you know, like, and uh, it's truly commendable, man. Not only, you know, what you're doing, you know, with, with your own career endeavors, but, you know, just like who else might be inspired to like try to make a difference in their community um, or, you know, and how much of a domino effect that can be. Yep. Um, and we need all, all that we can get right now in this world because a lot of people are fucking struggling right now. So, yep. oh yeah. And, and, you know, anything in this world can be used for good or bad. And the internet is a constant if it does more harm than good. Um, and, you know, I just think it's, it's a microphone and a megaphone. Yeah. Whatever you want to say, through it and whatever you want to preach you have the opportunity to do that and i think you know i would never just be one i could i literally could not just go on there and say this is my art go buy it uh, have a good day like um i'm not here to sell art i'm here to use art as a vessel to speak to people yeah. so just the same as charlie is doing you know charlie's page isn't about himself or his accomplishments or anything it's about using that audience to promote optimism and positivity and gratitude and showing people the formula of how people's lives can change. And, and yes, do we have a team of 10 people and a tour bus and, and, you know, money to give away? Of course we do. But, you know, there's also viral videos that we upload of us just saying hi to somebody and doing something that anyone can do. Um, so to be able to inspire people to whatever extent they take it, um and just re-engage hope in people's lives because i know that people do lose sight of hope um you know if you think of the news coverage of mayfield kentucky yes there was some positive things but really they touched on the devastation and the millions of dollars of recovery and all that and then they said oh yeah by the way the american red cross dropped off you know five pallets of water today good job um but yeah. the news really just showed the bad parts and then left um and our goal is to show up and show all the good parts show all, all the beautiful you know people that live there and their stories and their lives before the tornadoes and document that and breathe new life into them they're more um, than statistics they're also they have people they're people with amazing yep. stories and 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 you know dreams just like yep. everyone else yep so um, you know, just to be able to, to combat the general media of the world, um, you know, we just kind of choose to use social media for the way we do, which is a beautiful thing. Right. It's the way it should be right on, dude. My last question for you, what are some goals and plans that you have, uh, for the remainder of 2022? Uh, I mean, with, um, I haven't gotten final word from Charlie and the team yet, but I'd imagine that we're doing a tour again. Um, so that's kind of out of my control. If they call me up and they said, we're leaving for six months, that's what I'm doing for six months. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, and it's not, it's not a bad, uh, bad gig, if you will. Um, so there's that, that is always a phone call away. Uh, but yeah, I have the art show, you know, my only goal going into this year was to get a piece in a museum. Mm -hmm. uh, just something I wanted to accomplish. I have no idea 
in the art world. I have a very um, niche insert into the art world. Really, I just sit on Instagram and TikTok and post my work. A lot of people post uh, their galleries and go to art shows and, and submit for museums and all that you know, traditional way to be an artist, I guess. I know nothing of that world. Um, and I just think it'd be cool to have my art locally in a museum or something in Milwaukee, um, a gallery where people can just go and view my art and say, hey, I went down there and saw your art and that's all I care. Like, that'd be cool. Um, it's in some local restaurants, um, which is oh, cool. cool. Which ones? Um, Neighborhood Draft. It's okay. uh, in Tosa on 61st in Belit, I think, okay. right across from Valentine Coffee. Oh, yeah. Yeah, sure. Uh, yep. So there's a place called Neighborhood Draft. It's actually, it was a custom piece, so it wasn't my design. Um, it's the Wisconsin State Fair logo, um, which is a geometric shape uh, made out of wood. Um, so there's that. There's a few other random spots in town that have my work. Um, uh, so, yeah. Um, you know, my only initial goal was getting to a museum, but I haven't really... You know, with my art, um, it, it changes direction every day with what I'm able to do and, and who I uh, interact with. Yeah. So if I don't get into a museum by the end of the year, I'm not going to beat myself up because there were so many things I've done so far with my art this year that I never expected to happen. Um, yeah. You know, the art fair in a month is something I didn't expect. Um, there's two larger influencers about three weeks ago that I sent art out to, and they made videos in relation to that, which oh. was not expected and totally crazy. Um, I made a piece for Mike Tyson five months ago. Yeah. Uh, you know, those things, I'm not going to say like, nope, Mike Tyson, I can't make a piece for you because I got to focus on being in a museum. Like, you know, I, I, I'm a very go with the flow kind of guy, and I'm not going to beat myself up about the goals I didn't achieve because I have context of the things I did outside of it that hindered me from doing what I planned to do. Um, so yeah, I mean, my goal for the rest of the year is to be happy. Right on my friend. Hey, that's, that's always the right answer. You know, there can be many right answers to that question, but that is always one. Yep. And uh, yeah, I think you're on a roll, man. And, and, you know, I really appreciate you making time for me tonight to chat and talk about, you know, what keeps you going, what what you've done, what you hope to do, and, uh, you know, just like how, just your whole outlook. We're meant to make cool shit in this life and see cool shit. That's what you're doing, man. So, so right on, Ike. Uh, yeah. Uh, my last two questions that I ask everyone on the way up. First one is what keeps you up at night, like? What keeps me up at night? Knowing that I'm going to wake up, hopefully, the next day. Yeah. And the possibilities that come with that opportunity. That's it. What puts you to sleep? Um, I actually do like that now because I was always a big work as many hours as I can and, and get as much or as little sleep as I can. And, and I really was so invested in that lifestyle and I loved it while I did it. But at this point with my mental health journey and just the way I live life, like what puts yeah. me to 
is really appreciating a good night's rest. Um, yeah. About the past two years, year and a half, I've really desired eight hours of sleep a night. And if I don't get it, uh, I'm miserable the next day. Can't function. Whereas three years ago, I could have slept for two hours in bed on cloud nine the next day. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, what's what puts me to sleep is like genuinely an appreciation for rest. Yeah, dude, I hear you. In college, I could, yeah, like be up all night get a couple hours of sleep and then go to class but no can't do that i i'm a nightmare to be around myself if i don't if i get under a good night's rest so i hear you we we need that shit do you drink coffee uh i do right now but as of today actually i started new regimens it's funny you asked that today I started new regimens to weed myself off of being dependent on coffee i'm not trying to get it out entirely, but I am currently dependent on it every day. Um, I'm an afternoon drinker, like four or 5 PM. Yeah. Um, so I realized this week that I don't want to be dependent on it anymore. So I'm, uh, doing sup. I'm seeking out supplements today was my first day trying it. Um, and then also too, there's this thing called, uh, oh, what is it? Mind something. It's a, it's a company um okay. i have to i'll send it to you on instagram um and honestly I, I don't even my buddy uses it religiously he's been using it for about six months and i called him last night i said hey does this stuff actually work and he's just like dude absolute life changer and it's 100 percent like organic healthy um has all the supplements you need it's just a little shot energy shot but it's not actually energy um it's all healthy for you so um, I want to say mind muscle, but that's not it at all. That's like that protein sh- shake or whatever. Um, well, we can fact check that after this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right. On. I, well, I'm a I'm, caffeine hound myself. So yeah, I, it wires me throughout the day. Yeah. I get it. I thank you for being on the show. Really appreciate it. Of course, man. Appreciate you. Yeah, dude. You bet. Uh, for everyone watching, I'll be tagging Ike's, uh, uh, page so you can check out his awesome art i'll be tagging you know uh the, the dream machine foundation so you can check out what they do thank you for watching mr nice guy we will see you next time cheers